Hello, and welcome to The Soul of Business. I'm your host, Blaine Bartlett. And today we're gonna to be looking at a couple of different things, and I think you're gonna be uh, fascinated by this take on the nature of business as we're gonna look at this. My guest today, and I'm, full disclosure, is my wife, <laughs> Cynthia Kersey. Um, I've asked her to join us because she runs a most phenomenal organization called the Unstoppable Foundation. And when we're talking about the soul of business, business is not just a commercial enterprise. Business is anything that touches the lives of people. And I say this every time, there is nothing on this planet that escapes the touch, escapes the consequence of businesses' activities. Uh, and I don't care where you live on the planet, you will be impacted by the activity of business. That's not just from a commercial perspective. It's also from a social and a charitable perspective. So one of the things that we'd like to explore this afternoon in this uh, podcast, in this show, is to explore just what it means to run an organization that is ostensibly a charitable organization from the perspective of it being a business that is actually impacting and touching significantly the lives of people beyond just the purpose or the mission of the business itself, as it would be typically thought of. So I wanna welcome again my wife, my partner in life, and the most amazing woman that I've ever met, oh. Cynthia Kersey. Thank you. So <laughs> I asked you to do this, and you at first were a little bit reluctant. And uh, what I'd like to explore is not so much the reluctance, because <clears throat> we've gotten beyond that, uh, but what I'd like to explore here is just the nature of the Unstoppable Foundation and how the soul of business actually informs what it is that you and the foundation actually ends up doing. Mm -hmm. Before we get there though, I wanna talk a little bit about your history. You know, about how did you come to be this founder and the CEO of the Unstoppable Foundation? Mm -hmm. Now, I know the story, uh, but our audience doesn't, and I'd like to have them have some of the appreciation that I have for, for the migration, for the mm -hmm. journey that you uh, actually ended up taking and that has gotten us where we are. So I'll just kind of let you speak a little bit. You know this uh, story pretty well, so <laughs> be my guest. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so basically, uh, you know, I was running um, a business. I had quit my job. I was in corporate America. I quit my job, cashed in my entire life savings to write my first first book called Unstoppable. So I was living my purpose, and 18 months after the book came out, I got a divorce. I actually separated from a 20-year marriage and uh, called my mentor, Millard Fuller, the founder of Habitat for Humanity, and told him what had happened. And he said, when you have a great pain in your life, you need a greater purpose. And he had just gotten back from Nepal, and he said, well, why don't you build a house for a family in need? So I thought, okay, um, how many houses would I need to build to offset this pain in my life? And understand I'd never built one house before. I really didn't even know where Nepal was. He suggested Nepal. He had just gotten back there from there. And, um, you know, I'm newly divorced. I'm living now on a $14.95 book. So, you know, I'm thinking, what's the number? And as I thought, well, Two, you know, what about that? You know, that's not even close. You know, 
12, 25, literally it wasn't until I got to the number 100 houses that felt bigger than my pain. And I had no idea how I would do it. Um, it felt kind of crazy, but it was something that inspired me mm -hmm. and got me out of bed in the morning. Yeah. So I took on that uh, goal in that year when I'm out there speaking, I shared this project and raised $200,000. It was $2,000 a house. Yep. And, uh, and you've never done any fundraising before no, at that never, point. Never. So $200,000. Exactly. Yeah. And just asking people with no yeah. attachment to them saying yes or no, just, just inviting them. Mm -hmm. And uh, that next year I took 18 people to Nepal and we worked on the first 100 of the, excuse me, the first three of 100 homes that were built that year. Right. And that experience is what really changed my life. Right. In a couple of different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not only the experience itself, but I'm paying attention to the fact that it was a fundraising mm -hmm. process. You'd never done that before. And there was a way that you went about that that was, I think, unique and has actually informing much of what the Unstoppable Foundation does today. So that, that experience really turned me on to giving. So I started integrating giving into everything that I did. One thing I think was really important to say is that that year, when I was living on a $14.98.95 book, I made more money that year than I had even at Corporate America. I, I was earning a six-figure income as a national account manager for Sprint. Right. And that wasn't even what I was focusing on. And then I really started understanding the law of giving and receiving. It's something I've now been studying for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. But really getting that, you know, the scriptures say, give and it shall be given unto you. And giving, what I've learned, activates the law of receiving and not the opposite. Mm -hmm. So it was the beginning of my experience. Oh my gosh, I thought I was doing all of these great things for these families. And of course it was fabulous, but what I hadn't anticipated was the joy and the abundance that it would bring me yeah. by focusing on giving. See, that's the piece that I was keying right. in on. Um, the consciousness mm -hmm. of giving and the way that you approach it is, is fundamentally different than how I think most people actually approach it and think about it. It is. Um, I remember when we first met mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you had gone up on stage. I was, you know, we were both invited to speak at a uh, seminar in, in Los Angeles. And you were up on stage and you were talking about giving and gratitude mm -hmm. and how you spoke and what you said at that point in time, I was, I was just floored. I, was, I, I had never heard it presented that way. I had never heard it talked about that way. And when you came off the stage and came back to the, in the back of the room, I actually wrote you a check. Yes, you did. <laughs> and, uh, and the rest is history. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but there was, there was a, a, a consciousness there mm -hmm. that was very unique in my experience. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've, you know, have been around people talking about giving mm -hmm. you know, basically all my life, but I had never heard it in the way that you said it or talked about it in the way that it was talked about. Mm -hmm. So you then went to Africa mm -hmm. after, after you built mm -hmm. the homes. You were invited to speak at a, uh, a women's conference in, yeah. in Africa. Yeah, so basically I'm looking for that next opportunity, right? right? So I'm integrating <laughs> giving in my whole business. I got completely turned on to it. It really was what drove me to even be successful. It wasn't to earn more money. 
-hmm. It was really to look at how can I contribute in a deeper way. So I'm looking for that next um, opportunity to give, and I get this invitation to attend this African Women Conference in Kenya. Yeah. And I just intuitively felt like I should say yes. So I rearrange my schedule, I fly over there, in five days, we sit and we really bear witness. There's 40 women from North America. We're bearing witness to 400 women from rural Africa. You know, one at a time would come up on stage and talk about their situation and looking for solutions, not from a victim standpoint, mm -hmm. but like, we need to solve this. We have children. Our children are dying of malaria because we don't have any health care. Right? They don't even have yeah. access to any clinics. So for the price of a cup of coffee, they could have access to medicine that right. would cure their children and instead they die. Mm -hmm. And then another woman would stand up and how they're spending all day fetching water, she and their, her daughters. And it's like, how can you be productive? How can you really create a life that you love that's you know meaningful when you're literally carrying every ounce of water your family needs on your back? And the number one thing that they said is, how do we get our children an education? Because without it, nothing happens. And so when I was there, um, I heard this voice that said, you need to do something about this. Mm -hmm. And there was this immediate, much louder voice that says, are you serious? <laughs> like, what could you possibly do? This has been going on for so long. There's so many challenges. You can't do anything. Don't even think about it. Yeah. And as I was leaving, we were, you know, hugging and getting on the bus with all the women. And they said to me, they pleaded with me. They said, please don't forget us. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do, right? Yeah. How can I say no to that? So I promised I would look for some sort of a solution. And then I turned 50. Actually, it was I spent the weekend uh, over Thanksgiving with Debbie Ford the author and her family. And she was telling me about how Bo, for his bar mitzvah, instead of getting- This was her son. Her son. Yeah. Instead of asking for gifts, he asked for people to contribute money to build a school. And as she was telling me about that, I sat up on the couch and I said, that's what I'm gonna do. That's my first thing that I could do to answer and to support these women that I'd met in Kenya. Mm -hmm. So I turned my 50th birthday into this big fundraiser and I charged people a contribution to come to the party. And then when they came, I asked them for more money. <laughs> and we raised $80,000 that night. Yeah. And it was really a distinct um, experience because people were saying, you know, not just great party, but they were saying, thank you for giving us the opportunity to contribute to something that's meaningful. It's like here we're having a party in LA and it's impacting children around the world. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to really understand that the, the optimal way of giving is when it's a transformational experience for the giver and the receiver. Yes. That's the key. That's the key. That's the key. And <clears throat> that shift in consciousness, mm -hmm. that shift in perspective um, in my experience, is what literally informs everything that the Unstoppable Foundation does, which is right. essentially what was born out of mm -hmm. that birthday party. That's right. Right. We're not like, we've raised money, but we're not desperate. We're not begging people. We're inviting them. And mm -hmm. what I know, Blaine, is that I'm giving people an opportunity to change their life. 
Like, I so get it. Say that again. When I invite people to give, I'm giving them an opportunity to really activate, saying it a different way, Mm -hmm. activate the law of receiving in their life. Yeah. You know, you can't experience abundance or prosperity if you're holding onto your money for dear life. I don't care if you're a billionaire Mm -hmm. or you don't have much at all. You're, You're not experiencing abundance. And you and I know this. We practice it. We read it. We live it. Mm-hmm. And we know as we give, everything is about distribution, our money, our time, our resources. And it's not from depletion, but it's from inspiration. Right. It's not from obligation. It's from what inspires us. You know this about me. I'm mm-hmm. always looking for how can I give, who can I help? It feels fantastic. It does. And you know, the foundation, we you know, just celebrated its mm-hmm. 10th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> and what is interesting to me, when, you know, when I look at other uh, service organizations, charitable organizations, um, is the longevity of your donor base. Mm-hmm. You have got people that have been literally with you Mm -hmm. as donors and supporters of the foundation and its activities for 10 years. From the beginning. From the very beginning. From the beginning. And not just Mm -hmm. a one-time donation. Mm -hmm. They they are continuously Mm -hmm. giving. And in many cases, they have given more and more and more as the years have gone on. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you speak a little bit? Mm -hmm. Now, this to me... Is, is where the soul of the foundation actually mm-hmm. comes into mm-hmm. play here. When we're thinking about the soul of the business, it's mm-hmm. that, yeah, there's a lot of charitable organizations on the planet. Mm-hmm. And each one of them is a little bit different. The foundation, the Unstoppable Foundation, has a, what we'll call a thisness, that, you know, the, this thing that makes it unique. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Duns Scotus's uh, perspective, uh, medieval philosopher, yeah, the highesity is, is what he calls it. You know, this the thisness that makes you unique, mm-hmm. makes me unique, also makes the organization unique. You have, in my estimation, in my experience, have found a way to make that thisness very visible and palpable in the way that you essentially conduct your business as an organization on this planet. How do you do that? What is that? And how do people actually organize? And here I'm talking about your team. Right. Organize their behavior <laughs> mm-hmm. around that consciousness, that, mm-hmm. that uniqueness that is mm-hmm. the foundation. Well, we're aware of um, the intention that true giving, the highest level of giving, is when it's a transformational experience for the giver and the receiver. So when people give us money, it's not just thank you, right? So first off, I think every single person that donates money, I think it's, I think our, our, uh, the benchmark is $100 or more. Every single person gets a phone call. So we're thanking them. And, and then, this is thousands of people. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you know, it takes several team members and, and they love it. So when you talk, we have a team meeting, they love talking to the donors yeah. because the donors are thanking them for the opportunity to give. And I think that is really an indication that we're doing something right, mm-hmm. is they're so excited, they're so filled. And with our larger donors, we make even a bigger investment of time of, um, again, I mean, you know, you were at the gala, people are, are giving 400,000, they're, they're funding the entire college tourism class or the nursing class or the clinical medicine or, just going more and more and more. And they said, 
they love giving to us because number one, we're up to something that's bigger than them. Mm-hmm. Number two, they feel really appreciated. So, um, and number three, it gives them an opportunity to make a real difference. So our whole team, our come from, we call it donor love. Mm-hmm. Is I love that term. Donor how do love. we give them the love? How do, you, how do we... And again, it's understanding, there is a consciousness around it where I get when they give, their life's going to be better. Because mm-hmm. I live it myself. I know as I give, it is the greatest joy to give. You give to the foundation, you give to other things. I give to the foundation, I give. It's a way of being. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, um, it's just something that we really pay attention to. We're hiring another fundraiser, and I've not found one person yet that really has that come from. That yeah. they, they come from to the same level that we do. And right. I think it's really a result of my teachers, of studying this myself, of experiencing it in my own life and understanding, you know, years ago when I used to invite people to give, I thought, um, I didn't understand this. And I thought that they were actually helping me, you know, like they're mm-hmm. helping me or they're helping my projects. And then I got a distinction about five years ago when I took Sandy Gallagher and some of our donors to Kenya. And Sandy Gallagher is the uh, chairman. She's the CEO, CEO, CEO of and the co-founder. Proctor Gallagher and co-founder of the Proctor Gallagher That's right. Institute, one of our largest That's right. sponsors. That's right, along with Bob Proctor. Yes. And I, we took her to Kenya and, you know, people, they're crying and they're thanking us. And I was thinking, wow, within, or as an organization, I mean, we're a business who... We're in the business of ensuring every child gets access to an education. That's what our business is. Exactly. Uh, we just happen to be a 501c3, right, which is a not-for-profit. That's our, that's the, our way that we're organized. But our business is to help communities thrive. Mm-hmm. And our customer, if you want to call it, yep. are our donors. Really, the beneficiaries are, of course, our communities. But our customers are our donors. Yeah. And when you give people an opportunity, I don't care what you're selling, where you feel better and your life is enriched, I mean, it is, it's really a prescription for a long-term, beautiful relationship. And relationship, I think, is the key. There's a couple mm-hmm. of things here that you, that you speak to that I think are just fascinating for any business, whether it's a 501c charitable organization or a for-profit. It's what does the customer end up feeling as a mm-hmm. consequence of mm-hmm. being exposed to your service or product? Do they feel more alive? Mm-hmm. Do they feel more vibrant? Do they feel more, um, the Japanese have got a word that I love. It's you know, more genki, more mm-hmm. energetic. You know, there's more, there's more, 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 <laughs> more me. Genki. Yeah, more genki. There's more of me that shows up. Uh-huh. And that is the experience that you bring out. And for any business, it's predicated, I think, on a recognition that what I do, I do not in isolation. Mm-hmm. I do it in a way that is designed specifically, if I'm smart, it's designed specifically to access my customer's soul. Mm-hmm. I, touch their, I touch them in a place right. that they're not touched frequently. Mm-hmm. And when they're touched there, soul to soul, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. there's an awakening that occurs mm-hmm. And that relationship, and all an organization is at the end of the day, is a collection of people in relationship. Mm -hmm. That's all an organization, any organization is. So if the relationships are working well, Mm -hmm. you've got a pretty good chance of being successful long-term, sustainably long-term. So uh, attending to the relational dynamic is really important. And relationships exist not form bumping form, Mm -hmm. but soul touching soul. Mm -hmm. That's where the real... Mm -hmm. uh, 
that's where the real juice is, yeah. I think. And the beneficiary, you know, in the, you know, for the foundation, for the Unstoppable Foundation, are obviously the folks in the uh, areas in which uh, the work mm -hmm. is done. Mm -hmm. The beneficiaries for a business mm -hmm. is, you know, the 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 ripple. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As a consumer, I feel more alive. As a consumer, I feel more uh, yeah, fulfilled, happier. That has a ripple effect mm -hmm. on my kids. It has a mm -hmm. ripple effect on my you know, community. Mm -hmm. Everything that's done by business impacts the quality of life on this planet in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. So that's you know, my soapbox mm -hmm. uh, statement here. <laughs> looking at how the Unstoppable Foundation actually is looking to move forward, mm -hmm. you know, what do you see for yourself? You've been, you've been um, on the planet now for 10 years, mm -hmm. doing phenomenal work. You're touching over 80,000 people a day mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. with uh, clean water, access mm -hmm. to clean water, health care, uh, nutrition, education. Economic development, yeah, and your spine, yeah, and the foundation's work primarily is in the Maasai Mara mm -hmm. uh, of Kenya, one of the most at-risk places on the planet. Mm -hmm. So, where do you see going in the next? Mm -hmm. you know, all ten years, we'll mm -hmm. just take another ten-year chunk here. Yeah, Lo you know, living out of the soul of of the, uh, right. of the business. Mm -hmm. So basically, there's almost a million people in that area of the world, uh, and our goal is that every child receives access to an education and every family gets access to these life-saving programs. A million people. A million people. So right now, we, for this year, we want to triple the impact that we're doing. So instead of 50 villages, we're going to do 150 villages. Wow. So then, and then the trajectory of, as we grow and we're doing that, we could reach a million people within 10 years which is really exciting. And you know, people say, well, why Africa? Why are you, you know, there's so much need here. And I, I have a couple of things about that. Number one, um, it's not to the exclusion of other things. I donate, you donate. Mm -hmm. I donate a lot locally, personally. You know, when I mm -hmm. see a need and I feel inspired, I wanna give. Uh, but I've been called to this work. I went to Kenya. I've learned, as you have, it's one of the most at-risk places on the planet. And it's not just, Ali Daniels, you know, was at the gala, and he was saying, you know, he yeah. was born in poverty. And he said, the poverty that the kids experience in the sub-Saharan Africa is not the same. I mean, they, don't, they have water that's not clean, and when they drink it, they get sick and die. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't even have a meal. Many of them do not have a meal. If we're not giving them a, a meal, which is what part of our program is, yep. if they're not getting that, if they're not in our program, they're not even eating all day. Mm -hmm. You know, and your parents are living on 50 cents a day, the family. So it's like, you know, we do have resources in the United States um, to support people who mm -hmm. are in extreme poverty. And again, it's not to the exclusion. But that area of the world, if they're not taken care of and supported, there's a, it's the highest child mortality rate in the world. In the world. In the world. Yeah. The, the thing that you mentioned about being taken care of, one mm -hmm. of the things that I am most intrigued with and fascinated by with the work that the foundation does is the focus on sustainability. Yeah. That at the end of the day, when mm -hmm. everything is said and done, um, the foundation walks away from these communities. That's right. That's right, within 10 years. Mm -hmm. So it actually takes about five years to implement all five pillars. Mm -hmm. And then within five years after that, we're still working, our partners are with them every single day, working, mentoring, and by 10 years, they're on their own. 
which is pretty amazing. And then the other thing you know that we've done recently is we just launched a college with our partners. And we have a progr program called Unstoppable Scholars because in this area of the world, only one half of 1% of children are ever able to go to college and they're smart and they love learning and they want to make a difference and they can't go to college. So we said that is not okay. Mm -hmm. And we are partnering with We Charity on the ground and we just launched the School of Tourism. The School of Nursing started in November. Clinical medicine and agriculture start this year. Next year it's um, uh, teaching and business. So now all of a sudden you're working, we're, we're working from nursery school all the way through college. Yeah. And then of course, providing the sustainability. So really, these communities can sustain themselves, they can thrive, they can lead fulfilling lives, which is what our goal is. That's the, and fulfilling lives, not mm -hmm. subsistence lives. That's right. Not lives that are predicated on, where's my next meal coming from, mm -hmm. and I have to, you know, beg, borrow, or steal to get it. It's mm -hmm. a fulfilling life. That's right. Uh, and I've met many of uh, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the folks in the Mara that we actually work mm -hmm. with. They're, they are alive. They they're, are. they're joyful, they're joyous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I watch the kids run to school. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, uh, the elders, uh, the, the light in their eyes when they see their kids mm -hmm. doing things and having access to things that they never dreamed they were going to have access to. There's no words for it. It's true, and even David, you know, our friend uh, David Meltzer, who's my chairman of the board, he said, you know, when he went there, he was shocked because he found out the students wanted to stay later and later and later <coughs> in school, and then finally the teachers were like, we gotta go home. So then they said they wanna get up earlier, and earlier, they wanted to get up at four in the morning so they can start studying. So they're eager to learn. They're eager to use what they've learned to bring it back to their community, to inspire their brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. to inspire other parents. So it really is the ripple effect of those 80,000 people is, can't even be measured. You know, one of the things that's interesting here uh, is, is, is the focus. Mm -hmm. um, the focus has been on the mission mm -hmm. of, of, uh, of the organization and for many, charitable organizations, that focus can be um, debilitating mm -hmm. because there's not attention paid to the business side. Mm -hmm. And you know, in some of the lectures I do, uh, I'll talk about you know, every organization is founded on some mission principle. Mm -hmm. And then a business is developed to deliver on that mission. And someplace in the gestation, in the life cycle of the uh, organization, it moves from being a mission with a business to becoming a business with a mission almost as an afterthought. Mm -hmm. One of the things, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on as a guest, mm -hmm. is you seem to have cracked the code uh, of balance. You know, the mission is very definitely in the forefront of conversation internally in the organization. It is what's seen visibly uh, by the external world, mm -hmm. but you also are very smart about how you run the business of the foundation not as an afterthought, but as an, as an integral part of delivering on the promise of what it is that you intend to have happen. Mm -hmm. What have you done from a business perspective to keep the mission alive? Mm -hmm. That's a very good question. Well, first off, we go over there and we see the work, we bring our team, we stay connected. You know, So we have our values, we read our values and mission before every single uh, meeting. It, I'm gonna mark that one out. You have team meetings 
on a regular basis, mm -hmm. and team meetings meaning your organizational team. That's right. Every meeting you do what? We start by reading our mission and our values. So it's not just artwork that's up on the wall. No, no, we, we, we read it every <laughs> single time, and it really informs our way of being. I mean, uh -huh. even on the last call, people said, gosh, I think this works. <laughs> you know, because it's like we have elegant communication, we're kind, we're transparent, we have integrity. Like all of those things inform our actions. Mm -hmm. And if we miss the mark, which is human beings, we do sometimes, we clean it up. Yep. So it's like, okay, that really, look, can I have a do-over? You know, can I say that again um, in a different way? Mm -hmm. So I think that's number, that's really important to remind ourselves why we're doing it. Because mm -hmm. you can be sitting in front of a computer and feeling disconnected yep. from those kids in those communities. So just that activity, mm -hmm. as simple as it may seem, uh, and as hokey as some people may think that it is, it connects you back to what really is mm -hmm. uh, the, the source of Right. The, the foundation's business. Mm -hmm. And we created it together. You actually mm -hmm. helped us. So um, so something we all created, we co-created. It wasn't just something from me. Right. Um, it was the team. So we all bought into it as a team. Mm -hmm. And um, I really, I mean, we're really growing and expanding, and the team is incredible. And um, I think we just stay very connected, even our graphic designer who never gets over there but he sees the pictures. He'll see the pictures of the kids. Mm -hmm. That's what everybody says, it's for the kids, you know, and people kids. work so hard, and yeah. it's for those kids and those families. Yeah, well, you mentioned your graphic designer, and I'm gonna start to close on this, but just in terms of um, the elegance, what I'm mm -hmm. gonna call the elegance mm -hmm. of the presentation mm -hmm. of what you're about, um, <clears throat> your branding, mm -hmm. your artwork, um, the collateral material, the consumables, mm -hmm. Um, they not only have a brand identification to them, I mean, I look at it and I go, that's unstoppable, but there's a quality mm -hmm. about it that, yeah, I, I, there's a, a notion in, uh, around beauty, and you've heard mm -hmm. me talk about mm -hmm. this, uh, but for the audience, yeah, um, Plato had a, yeah, his, his list of virtues, and the premier virtue was beauty, and from the perspective of Plato, Beauty was the quintessential value that needed to be attended to in life. And the way that beauty was defined by him uh, was that beauty was the external expression of an internal source, of an internal mm -hmm. vibrancy. And when you saw beauty, you actually were seeing the soul of the object. Mm -hmm. And what I see in the foundation through the elegance in which you present yourself as an organization, I see the soul of the business. Mm -hmm. I see the soul of the foundation mm -hmm. expressed in the way that you work, the conversations that you have, the processes that you engage, the collateral material, all of the things that every business has, mm -hmm. but it's done with intent. Mm -hmm. It's done with intent. How do we express ourselves? Mm -hmm. How do we express You know, it's ourselves? so interesting that you said that too, and I think it really, um, it reveals the caring, the love and caring. So there's the professionalism, of course, um, but I think of our Carly, our director of communications and marketing. I mean, and just the care and the attention and Ulysses and Anna and, and our whole team, it's like what they bring um, to those communication pieces is filled with love. Mm -hmm. And you can see it, you see in the pictures, they just everything that they do, yeah. it just looks amazing. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they care. 
Right. They care. It's imbued with love. Mm -hmm. They care. Mm -hmm. And again, I keep coming back to this point. When the soul of the business is present, mm -hmm. employee engagement is not even a question. That's true. People are engaged. They mm -hmm. can't not be mm -hmm. engaged because they're touched. And people are dying to make a difference. Yes. And if they can make a difference in their work, how what a, an amazing win-win that is. To yeah. be able to go to work and know that what you're doing, whether you're selling iPhones or you're selling what we're doing, but if you know you're really making a difference on the planet, you're mm -hmm. going to bring a whole different energy and commitment to the work. Well, you are making a difference. There's no question Thanks. about that. You're making a difference in their lives, and you make a difference in my life. Yeah, you need to so, love you. My guest today has been Cynthia Kersey, the CEO and founder of the Unstoppable Foundation, a business with a heart. There's no question about that. This is Blaine Bartlett, your host of A Soul of Business. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.